This is your home for St. Cloud State Hockey, keeping you up to date on the NCHC. One-timer coming, they score! Ripped in! A bomb from Perrix! Women's WCHA. Dana Rasmussen fires and she scores! Dana Rasmussen for the Huskies. The National Hockey League. Kaprizov in for a chance to win it! He scores! And everything from the state of hockey. St. Cloud Cathedral is now 42.6 seconds away from wrapping up the school's first ever title. Welcome to the Huskies Warming House Podcast Den. To episode number 70 here on the Huskies Warming House podcast. I'm Noah Grant and joined alongside my co-host and Nick Maxson, who has a lot of Spanish homework to catch up on. We'll get a little bit more into that, uh, see if he can do the show in Spanish today. I don't think you can. I believe in you, but not that much, Nick. Um, but nonetheless, anyway, <laughs> we are here for episode 70. We've got a lot of information to get caught up to. Uh, you know, uh, one way or the other, I don't really have an opinion on the Huskies Illustrated Weekly Roundup. I understand its purpose. It's a more formal kind of like section. Uh, it's uh, yeah, a great tidbit for some people and not for others. But I would say if you're looking to get caught up as to what we're going to be discussing this week, I would sit down and listen to the Huskies Illustrated Weekly Roundup for sure this week. We missed a lot of information just because of the travel and stuff that we've had for the past two weeks. And there's a lot of good tidbits that you're going to want to know. So, um, and of course, listen to the rest of the show that we've got coming up. We're going to do a quick little NCHC preview of that uh, non-conference schedule that's coming up for the St. Cloud State Huskies. And then of course the extra ice session, the big topic on everybody's mind, the Zach Parisi and Ryan Suter buyouts. What does it mean for the Minnesota wild and where are they headed next? We're going to get to all of it, starting off with the center ice view news and notes center ice view news and notes center ice view provides you with the best coverage of st cloud state huskies hockey from game notes recaps photos and more go to centericeview.com Start off center ice view news and notes. Noah, uh, we all know a couple weeks ago the Tampa Bay Lightning did secure the second straight Stanley Cup. Uh, well, the news that I think is funny, Noah, that uh, has kind of leaked was during their bolt parade, uh, Patrick Maroon, um, a three time repeating Stanley Cup champion himself, uh, once with St. Louis and then the last two with Tampa Bay, uh, actually had a, a little bit of a drop. He actually dropped the Stanley Cup and uh, actually dented the, the top of the trophy. Now, for those who don't know, there's actually two Stanley Cups that the NHL has um, in its armor. There's one that's called the Traveling Cup. That's the one that gets uh, you know taken to um, all the award ceremonies or the one that's presented on ice after a team does win the cup. And it's also the same trophy um, that's taken on parades whatnot so the actual you know formal cup is actually sitting inside the Hawke hall of fame in toronto ontario and the original cup the original bowl uh that's behind i would say eight inch bulletproof glass and what looks to be an old bank vault inside uh, that same uh hall of fame uh really so kind of a fun little story there for tampa again congrats on their second straight Stanley cup win and uh, the of uh, course the coupe de la stanley um 
was trying to be French. I tried anyway, um, is on its way back to Montreal uh, to get some repairs and back out there to uh, join the Tampa Bay Lightning on their victory parades. In fact, if I'm not mistaken, I thought there's actually three cups, all things considered. I think there's an extra one that has bands. We'll have to look it up. Okay, don't yell at me. Anyway, all, all right. Two. Okay, well, speaking of two, Nick, in Saturday news, the hockey world did lose a pair of players that played at the highest level. Uh, first in Maryland, former NHL defenseman Brian Watson died at the age of 78. Watson, more often known as Bugsy, played over 1,000 games with Montreal, Detroit, Pittsburgh, St. Louis, Washington, and get this, Oakland during his career, as well as a stint with Cincinnati. Watson is well known in the Washington, D.C. area, where he and his wife, Lindy, opened a pizza restaurant in Alexandria in 1983 that they renamed Bugsy's in 1998 and sold in 2013, even though he played about 175 games of his total career with the Washington Capitals. The larger story, of course, uh, that we didn't get to last week also happened a few weeks ago in Columbus. 24-year-old Latvia netminder Matisse Kivlenix passed away when an errant fireworks mortar blast hit him in the chest at the house of former NHLR and goaltending coach Manny Legacy. Uh, signed in 2017 for Columbus, Kivlenix appeared in eight total contests over the past two seasons for the Blue Jackets with two wins to his credit. Legacy also noted that while the memorial service was somber, he did add some humor to his uh, eulogy regarding former Columbus head coach John Tortorella, saying, quote, look how many lives you've touched, Matisse. Look how many lives you've touched. Torts even flew in, and he hates goalies. <laughs> in conclusion, uh, with Kiv Lennox Memorial Service, the Blue Jackets announced the formation of the Matisse Kiv Lennox Memorial Fund, which will support youth hockey initiatives in both Columbus and Latvia. The Blue Jackets and the McConnell family have each pledged $80,000 in honor of Kiv Lennox number 80 to match every donation to the fund. Well, let's bring things back here, Noah, because this is going to be our extra ice session. But to briefly, uh, we'll touch on this is, uh, of course, Minnesota Wild, uh, probably the biggest transactional news in the NHL this week. Uh, they bought out Zach Parisi and Ryan Suter. Um, so what that does is the last four years of that contract is now null and void. Does a couple of things, actually. So it saves them from any potential cap recapture penalties um, that the players would have or I should say the team would have probably been uh, subject to had the players retire early before the end of their contracts. Also with both Parisi and Suter having no movement clauses uh, with those contracts now being done, those types of contracts have to be protected in the Seattle expansion draft. Those rosters were actually submitted yesterday at 11 o'clock in the morning. They will actually be made public here at the top of the hour here, no, at 10 a.m. here central. So all the teams in the public will know who the protected lists are there, but again, Zach Breezer, Ryan Suter, Botto, probably part of that, but we'll get a more of a detail here later in the show. Um, other transactional news, a defenseman Merrill Haskin in for Dallas, a whopping eight-year, $67 million contract. Uh, he's a hell of a defenseman, uh, 21 years of age, already 95 points in 205 NHL, uh, NHL games played, uh, 20 of those being goals. So great signing there by Dallas. Uh, the Florida Panthers have also been busy right, signing some of their fours. Anthony DeClaire has into three-year extension. Gustav Forsling also signed a three-year, $8 million pact. And the club has also bought out the last two years of Keith Yandel's contract. Now, we talked on the show, Noah, earlier this year about the Ironman streak and, and sort of, you know, I guess the, the club making that pop probably a big deal. Uh, they ended up not um, ending that Ironman streak earlier than, you know, I think they wanted to. So now what they've done is they bought him out, you know, it becomes the unrestricted free agent. Um, and, uh, you know, best of luck to him. 34 years of age and again, 922 consecutive games. 
Boston Bruins also then re-upped with defensive Brandon Carlos, six years, just shy under $25 million. Uh, Pittsburgh also retained the services of Teddy Bluger to a two-year $4.4 million deal. Uh, New Jersey keeps defenseman Jonas Siegenthaler for the next couple of years. And then uh, Toronto, somehow with any cap space that I do have, uh, re-signed defenseman Travis Dermott to a two-year extension. And then Minnesota, again, bringing back Nick Bukestad at one year $900,000, um, who also played pretty well for the Wild, 17 points in 44 games this past season. Finally, in coaching retirement and trade news, uh, there's been a lot of action, kind of the first action that we've gotten to really see in the NHL in quite some time regarding a lot of those trades and sort of things. Uh, on that trade front, uh, the big one, Nashville defenseman Ryan Ellis ended up in Philadelphia yesterday for defenseman Philippe Myers and former second overall pick Nolan Patrick. Patrick was then dealt to Vegas for forward Cody Glass. The New York Islanders traded defenseman Nick Letty to Detroit for forward Richard Ponick and the 52nd overall selection in this week's draft. Chicago, uh, the big one, moved three-time Stanley Cup winning defenseman Duncan Keith closer to home in Edmonton for 24-year-old defenseman Caleb Jones and that conditional third-round pick that could become a second if the Oilers make the Stanley Cup final. That pick, of course, is in 2022. Colorado sent giant defenseman Ryan Graves to New Jersey for budding 23-year-old forward Mikhail Maltsev in the 61st pick in this week's draft. And finally, Toronto nabbed forward Jared McCann for a prospect Philip Hallander and a seventh-round selection in Pittsburgh. The draft will be Friday and Saturday, uh, this Friday and Saturday, I should say, on July 23rd and 24th. In coaching and front office news, everyone's favorite, Nick, Pierre Maguire, he landed a job in Ottawa as senior vice president of player development after the last 24 years as a broadcaster. Uh, and I was kind of looking for a little bit more information about explaining that interesting move. And uh, owner Eugene Melnick said this. He said, I wanted someone that knew as many of the players as possible. That's one of the key elements is knowing who you're acquiring. You want to know the player's family, friends, who he hangs out with, who influenced him, and everything possible to know you're getting the right person, end quote. I'd say Pierre Maguire, for all of his incessant talk about where a guy came from in juniors and where he's been since the day he was born, he maybe does have that covered. So it'll be interesting to see where he, uh, um, where his career progresses as a member of the Senator's front office. Speaking of moves, Seattle added Paul McFarland and Jay Leach, their two new assistant coaches, to head coach Dave Haxtall this past week. McFarland was an assistant with Haxtall in 2019-20 with Toronto, and Leach has spent the past four seasons as head coach of the Providence Bruins in the AHL. Montreal officially named Dominique Ducharme as the head coach for the next three seasons in Montreal, removing the interim tag and former hall of fame center, Sergei Fedorov will coach CSK Moscow in the continental hockey league next season. Of course, he has been the, been the general manager of the team since 2012. Lastly, in our roundup, two retirements did occur in the National Hockey League. Physical blue liner Kevin Miller unfortunately hung up the skates after seven seasons with Boston. The 33-year-old suffered two broken kneecaps and a concussion in the past two seasons, was really kind of injury-riddled at the end of his career, uh, but he did tally 71 points in 352 games over the span of his career. And lastly, the big signing, or I should say the big retirement, here to finish off the show one that uh, didn't really surprise a lot of people but it was still sad to see him go the winningest goalie uh, in national predators history will say goodbye uh, to that legend after 15 seasons Finnish goaltender Pekka Rinne was the best goaltender in franchise history 369 wins guiding the Preds of course to that cup final in 2017 drafted in the eighth round back in 2004 Nick, of course, was about 45 at the time then. But anyway, Pekka Rene also had the most wins ever by a Finnish-born goalie, edging out Mika Kiprasov, Kari Lehtinen, and Tuka Rask. He had the fifth most wins in the salary cap era, and his 60 career shutouts are the third most during that span.
once again, welcome into episode number 70. Nick, uh, that was a lot of information that we threw at the fans there in the Huskies Illustrated Weekly Roundup in a short amount of time, but a lot of, you know, really interesting information. You know, not, not that the Roundup isn't interesting every week, but it's it's kind of fun sometimes to see all the different changes. I mean, it's going to be a really different NHL landscape, I think, uh, coming up this next couple of years, just the way that everything is going to end up. But we'll get to that. We'll talk a little bit about that with the Minnesota Wild. Uh, regardless, uh, how are you doing today? Um, I Like I said, I hear you got some Spanish homework. How's that coming? Uh, what are you up to this week? Uh, it's a busy week uh, coming up. And as you know, the NHL, um, again, as I mentioned, the protected lists uh, are being made public here in about an hour. Uh, so there's a lot of things that are going to happen around the NHL. So for those who uh, love some of those news and notes sections, it's going to be a busy time for those over the next couple of weeks with the NHL. The, uh, as you mentioned, the entry draft coming up this week. Uh, we also know at some point during, uh, I think Wednesday, Wednesday is the expansion draft for Seattle. We'll know who Minnesota Wild, as well as all 31 teams minus Vegas, because they do not have, they are exempted from the expansion draft, uh, will lose their player to Seattle. Also, July 28th, uh, for those looking forward to that, is a free agency opens up in the NHL where Suter and Parisi um, have an opportunity to actually sign with different squads. So uh, it's a, it's a fun time of year. It's obviously a little bit later for the NHL than it normally is. It's about a month behind. Uh, and it's funny because you know, we're at mid July, right? It's July 18th. And uh, you know, training camp is about 60 days away. That's it. It's yeah. the middle of September. So, you know, it, it's going to be a shortened off season, but supposed to be starting on time. Um, uh, for me, as you mentioned, I'm starting to wrap up uh, a little bit of a class online uh, that I'm getting uh, uh, just a, a language requirement, so Spanish. So I, I've got uh, I've got some catching up to do, being on vacation and whatnot. But that's about it for me. I'm just trying to keep tabs with all the uh, the different moves and whatnot going to the NHL. Uh, Mr. No, you're back in uh, North Dakota. How have you been? Yeah, good. I got back uh, Tuesday morning slash Wednesday morning at 5 a.m. I decided to drive through the night, kind of avoiding all that traffic a little bit. So I actually took a nap during the day and decided to drive through and had the day off Wednesday and back to work, back in action. You know, it's kind of nice sometimes, I think, uh, you know, to get back in the routine of things. It's nice to have a vacation, but sometimes it's nice to be in that routine a little bit and kind of get back to what you know and feel productive a little bit. I've been eating a little bit better and feeling a little bit better that way, too. Um, so, but yeah, it's kind of, it's going to be an interesting show today. I think that's the first thing I might want to put out there is that normally we try to do the extra ice session around the 40 minute mark. We're going to see how long trivia and uh, the NCHC preview takes. This one might be a shorter one as far as the main bulk of the show. Cause I think our extra ice session really, if it wasn't in the order of the NCHC preview, the last one that we have, it probably could be the entire show. And then some, I mean, that's just, that's just how the information might roll. So um, bear with us. We're going to have a lot of fun on the show. It's going to be um, a, a good time. And I will also mention, speaking of good times, we have some updates for the two line fan trivia leaderboard. We've missed announcing the last three. Yeah, that's right. The last three trivia questions that we've had on the show based on uh, doing the show early a couple weeks ago. And then of course our travels the past couple weeks as well. So Nick, we're going to start with all three of those trivia questions. So buckle up and put your thinking hats on here. We're going to start with two weeks ago here. St. Cloud State Women's Hockey. The question did read, uh, the women's hockey schedule was released recently, including six non-conference games, two of which are the opening weekend at home against the Lindenwood Lions. What is the women's hockey's all-time record against Lindenwood? And who is the only player to score a hat trick against them? The all-time record, I don't expect oh. you to know, but who scored who is the only player to score a hat trick against Lindenwood? In fact, I was calling that game. So was I. Um, interesting. 
God damn it. Um, it's amazing when your old brain goes right to straight to hell. Um, oh, geez. And they've had Linda Wood for a while. So I, I know the record's good against Linden Wood. Phone, um, phone, phone a friend. You're looking for help here. <laughs> I might pull the audience actually on this one. Okay. Um, which, well, uh, well, since you're only one, um, <laughs> can you give me a number for the young lady who had the hat trick? Number eight. Number eight was a senior that year. I, li I, li I like the reaction when I tell you the number and you look more confused than the last time. So I'm really tempted to help, help you out. I will help you out, Nick. St. Cloud State right now, they're 11-2-2 two two against the Lindenwood Lions with a 46-21. to 21. That's a plus 25 uh, goal margin. Uh, the only St. Cloud State women's hockey player to score a hat trick was number eight, Brooke Kadurka. Kadurka. In 2019-20. We'll, we'll send this clip to her just so she she knows how much you remember that. Uh, of course, Clara Hamlarova and Abby Thiessen both had three assists that game as well. So uh, congratulations. It was Tinner Heath that had that win uh, and was atop the leaderboard. But then we had a guy that uh, we know very well by the name of Caleb J. Peabody start to kind of rattle off a couple of wins here in the past couple of weeks. Starting with last week, uh, three assist games are hard to come by. Last season in 2021, which men's St. Cloud State Husky had the first three assist game of the season? Who was the opponent and date and what was the score? I don't expect you to get the opponent and date and the score, but who do you think had the first three assist game of the season for the men's hockey team? This last season? Yes. Wasn't it Nick Perbix? It was Nick Perbix, yes. Uh, of course, Caleb J.P. Potty winning that one. That was the answer. Nick Perbix in a 4-3 to three overtime loss on January 2nd. He had three assists, a primary and two secondaries in that overtime finish. Uh, that was against Duluth in St. Cloud. That was actually, I believe, their first game back home uh, after the pod uh, last season. Now moving on to this week, yesterday, uh, Caleb J. Peabody taking the win again. Question did read, Matt Dumba was, and probably still is, ha, 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 the talk of trade talks for the Minnesota Wild. However, he had, anywhere. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I had someone on Twitter tweet at us, and I'm like, it's just, it's just a little bit of fun. Everybody just calm down. We're all friends here. Uh, however, <laughs> he has had 28, yes, 28 multi-point games since 2013, including four points in 2017-18 in a game against Dallas. How many multi-point games did he have last year, and who were the opponents? I don't expect you to get the opponents, but how many multi-point games did he have last season? Oh, boy. It's not, it's not that high of a number, I promise you. Is it six? That's a little high, a little high. It's actually three. Um, in fact, the highest last year was four, and it was uh, both Jared Spurgeon and Jonas Brodin each had four. Ryan Suter had three multi-point games. Like I mentioned, Caleb was the winner as well. So here's a little bit of stats. I was kind of looking into it yesterday. So Dumba had three multi-point games against Arizona and two against Los Angeles. Multi-point games since, since Dumba came into the league in 2013-14 with games played. Uh, we're going to start at the bottom. Jonas Brodin, seven, I kind of did the top four for the Minnesota Wild that have kind of been around uh, since that time. Jonas Brodin, 17 multi-point games with 563 games played. Dumba, of course, with 28, like I mentioned, 462 games played. Jared Spurgeon, uh, 43 multi-point games for him at 545 games played. And Ryan Suter, 65 
at 608 games played. So you want to talk about players that are able to produce uh, really, really impressive. So as we look at the leaderboard uh, here and wrap up trivia extraordinaire, if you will, the updated leaderboard, we are, we are now finished through week, I believe 12 of 25 here. So Tinner Heath and Caleb JP buddy are tied at four wins apiece. fight the pants in second place at three wins uh, Husky 16, three, five, zero. That's Carl Tillerson with one win and everyone else you have zero wins. Get on the money, get on the ball and figure it out and jump into trivia. You still have a chance to make some noise here. So Nick, we're going to move into that non-conference schedule because I know you're itching to talk a little bit of hockey here. St. Thomas is on the dock at October 2nd. I'm just glad I can get a word in sometimes. Well, <laughs> I don't know how else to do I mean, I don't know how else to do it. I, <clears throat> I mean, there's probably a better way, but no one's alluded that to me. But speaking of a better way, I think the, the conference is looking about the best it ever has been in terms of the non-conference schedule for the Huskies in quite some time here. St. Thomas, October 2nd and 3rd, they're the first ones on the docket for that home and home. Mankato, October 8th and 9th, uh, that one's in Mankato. Uh, the Minnesota Golden Gophers, that home and home, October 15th and 16th. Wisconsin, that next weekend, October 22nd and 23rd. They're in St. Cloud for that weekend. And then the last one around the holidays, Bemidji, a home and home, December 31st and January 1st on the schedule there. Nick, I, you know what? I'm going to let you take the lead on this kind of schedule. I kind of uh, thinking about maybe more of a brief overview. Of course, we didn't do the deep dive for all the teams that we did for, you know, of course, the NCAC previews, because that that's way, way, way too much work. But uh, wherever you want to start uh, and whatever you want to talk about, I'm going to kind of give the floor to you since you've been waiting so long. <laughs> Is there, am I ready? Okay, good. So <laughs> Roll um, no, this, I, I think, you know, there's a couple of ways to look at this. We've talked about, you know, and we talked about it with uh, Lucia. We talked about it with Motzka. We talked about it with Larson too, uh, around this time last year, which is we need to get these interstate rivals to play again in a non-conference setting. It's the only way we can do it. Um, but I want to see this happen again, right? Um, St. Thomas, again, welcoming them to division one, uh, the home and home. So that's going to be fun. Um, again, you know, it's always kind of fun when you get to kind of christen in a new team uh, in the uh, the Division One fold against St. Cloud. Um, had their christening just, just a little bit ago. You know, I was I was actually still a twinkle in somebody's eye at that point, I think. So that was okay. Um, uh, but again, you know, I can't overlook uh, St. Thomas. Again, there's there's Division One athletes athletes who played in good teams such as North Dakota and others. Uh, that will be joining them. So uh, again, how quickly they can gel, they might be a pretty decent team. They're not going to be a pushover by any means. And St. Cloud again, will have to just show that they're, you know, the more veteran, the more um, you should say together team, you know, if that makes sense, uh, they've, they're more, for, uh, more familiarity. So um, it'll be fun. Um, again, St. Thomas gets to play in their building and come up to see the Herb Rush National Hockey Center more. So hopefully they get to see how big of a pain it is when the dog pound is fully ruckus up there as well. So hoping to look forward to see that. Uh, Mankato, October 8th and October 9th. So a little bit of revenge here, I think. There's going to be some motion in this game. Uh, you know, both these teams meeting together again in the Frozen Four in Pittsburgh, uh, the semifinal round. Um, a hell of a hockey game, too. Uh, back and forth, back and forth. Again, the absolutely beautiful tip uh, by Nola Walker with less than 60 seconds to go to seal the victory for the Huskies. You know, Mankato... Uh, wants to have another shot to, to, you know, to get a win against the Huskies and Huskies again want to, uh, you know, I guess, reestablish themselves or they're the ones that should have won that game. So there's going to be some emotions there early. And I think uh, that's going to be a fun series to watch. Now, after you get through that emotional barn burner, then you get to the rodents that live underground that apparently call Minneapolis home, the Gophers. Is that what it is? Yeah. Know, something like it, that. It, interesting to know that the, if you ever look at like the, the they're actually – the gophers aren't quote unquote gophers. They're actually 13 line ground squirrels. That's me living with a biologist my entire life who went to the U mind you. Um, 
So that shows you how much I know. But uh, actually, 39 ground squirrels are really pesky and really annoying. Don't know why they're actually a mascot. But anyway, continue. <laughs> but they're actually really pesky and really annoying, actually, on the ice. So yeah. uh, so actually, it's kind of fitting. Uh, but they're a good team. They're a team on the rise. Obviously, Bob Maskell had that team one victory away from making to the uh, the Frozen Four. So uh, this team is good. Uh, I mean, he's got some good uh, new freshman blood coming in. Yeah, he lost a couple of pieces. Uh, but that's the way that you know college hockey works, either through the transfer portal or through graduation or for early signings. So uh, Minnesota, again, I still think Bob Mouskos really, is a really good coach. Uh, he's, he's a, there's a reason why he's at a perennial program like the Gophers. Um, we get to play him in their building. Um, we had a chance uh, during the holiday tournament about a year and a half ago where the, uh, the Gophers did win that hockey game. Uh, but then coming back to St. Cloud, um, I can't imagine a game more circled on the calendar than that one when Bob Mosco returns to the Herbrush National Hockey Center in the opposing bench. That's going to be fun and i think uh you know for those who are looking for tickets let's let's sell out the herd for that and, and the dog but i want to see it filled seriously that's going to be a hell of a I, hockey I, game. I would be shocked shocked if that game is not sell, sold out at the herb brooks national hockey i Center. would be shocked like i would be i would be more disappointed like right <laughs> right and and more so too you know it's going to be good hockey i mean it's yeah. a good hockey team so you, and again you know it'd be nice to see the huskies to get a sweep on that one again when you're going home and home uh, you know, there's always that home ice advantage. And again, the, the quick travel. So we'll have to see how the, uh, the teams, both of them handle, uh, you know, the home and home series. So, uh, but again, it's going to be a fun battle. Again, a lot of emotion involved. So now you, you know, you calm things down a little bit. You now you, uh, you welcome Wisconsin and a team they haven't seen in quite some time. Uh, they had some recent success with them. Uh, but again, Wisconsin, uh, you're almost kind of dodge a bullet there, uh, uh, they're no because you don't have uh, Cole Caulfield there trying to score uh, 18 goals a game against you. Um, but uh, Wisconsin is still a very good team. Uh, Tony Granato, the head coach there, uh, you know, former NHL bench boss there. Uh, they're a good squad. They're an up-and-coming squad. They don't maybe have the depth or the paralysis maybe uh, Mankato does or maybe the Gopher does, but they'll still be a good test for St. Cloud. And then, of course, Bemidji with uh, Mike Gibbons behind their bench, uh, you know, where he kind of began his uh, hockey career there as a player. Um, you know, past the high school and the junior levels. So uh, December 31st and 31, as you mentioned, more of a, a holiday sort of tune-up, if you want to call it. Uh, but again, good to see um, all five of these squads, interstate rivals on the schedule. And again, they're going to be emotional games. St. Cloud, as you mentioned before, the last couple of weeks, they're just going to be a target on their back. And they're going to have to learn how to fight from being on top of the mountain. You know, they were below, looking up, trying to fight their way up there. Now there, it's going to be much harder to look down and keep the mantle that they're on. So, um, again, all these teams are good. I don't discount any of those, um, but it's going to be a good test for this Husky squad to see well, what kind of record they can put up and what kind of, uh, you know, where the team is at early on, because I think the uh, it's going to be very important. And, you know, as one of our guys that we came on said, what does it do for the pairwise, right? We now have the pairwise back this season. So that's all non-conference. These are actually important games that will affect how they position later on in the schedule, as well as getting close to the NCAA tournament time. So yeah, non-conference, you know, does it really affect your conference innings, but it could affect your NCAA bid. So these are also very important games for the Huskies to win as well. I was just smiling because you said December 31st and 31. So I was imagining them having a double header. Uh, Jan one. Yeah. Jan one. Yeah. I was imagining them having a Clean double. the ears, bro. No, you didn't say that though. I will play the tape back. I'm just chuckling because imagine if it was a home and home series double header where you would play the first game and then travel that same day. So, but you know, you are right though. I mean, the thing with um, the pairwise, I kind of like the schedule though. I mean, I mean, besides St. Thomas, and I'm not saying I don't like St. Thomas, besides them, 
all these teams are hopefully teams that are going to be vying for those upper 16 spots in the pairwise. So, you know, you don't really have the, what was it a couple of years ago that loss against, I think it was Princeton where they had a loss and a tie and it really kind of put them in an interesting spot. Northeastern was in that. Northeastern, they got swept too by Northeastern, if I recall. I think they split against Northeastern, but it was one of those things where it was like one of those losses really it brought them from, you know, maybe being a top 16 team to down to like 24th, 25th, 29th, something like that. So, I mean, it really makes, I like the fact that they're playing, you know, teams that are, hopefully of that upper echelon caliber where it might hopefully help them regardless, but don't expect to, you know, give anything back and don't expect to lose any of these games. So Nick, we're going to do something that we always do that we always get wrong and have some fun. And of course, as we know, college hockey is extremely unpredictable. So I have a nice little uh, um, card that we're going to keep until the season goes through. I think we should actually predict how we think each of these series is are going to go and see how correct that we we are when we get to those um, points. So obviously we're going to do, uh, you know, if we think it's a two, nothing sweep, a split, uh, you know, a sweep in the other direction or the like, do we want to add any other statistics or does goal differential, anything like that? Is there anything else you want to add? You would just want to do record, just record, just record. Okay. Let's keep it simple. All right. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's start right off the docket. St. Thomas, uh, a team that a lot of Huskies fans apparently think that we're going to blow out of the water. I don't see uh, that series going that way. What do you have uh, for that series? Um, I still feel like it's two victories, but again, it's not going to be, you know, you know, there's not going to be a bulldozer effect of someone call it. So I, I still think two and zero for the Huskies, but it's going to be good, close hockey. It's not going to be, you know, a, a seven, nothing, or, you know, as Gordon Bob Lane once said 12 to one. Yeah, it's not going to be like that. So, <laughs> yeah, I I hear I hear the revised version of him is in is in a new series uh, that you should watch apparently on Disney. Anyway, uh, continuing on to Mankato, interesting with Mankato, I saw a couple people on Twitter uh, that are Mankato fans, and I I've had a really good experience with Mankato fans in general. To be totally honest with you, uh, they were they were both saying you know oh that was you know this was when they have UMass coming in on the docket Mankato does. They're saying this is the national championship game that should have happened. And I was kind of thinking back, I'm like, who really deserved to win that hockey game? It was a tale of two halves in that game. I got to be honest. Like if you, if I wasn't, you know, watching the Huskies or new Mankato, well, if I was just objectively watching that game, I don't know that I could pick a team that deserved or should have had that hockey. I mean, it was that close of a game. I expect this series to be the same way. Uh, Nick, what do you got when they head up? Of course, it's in Mankato's home barn for both of those nights. It's going to be a split, but it, it, it very much could be 2-0 Mankato. Um, and that's no disrespect to St. Cloud. It's just more respect to Mankato. It's a hell of a hockey team. Again, a great coach of Mike Hastings. Um, they got a lot of people coming back. Um, that team is good. Um, so at the end of it, um, I, I'm calling the split, but I wouldn't be surprised if St. Cloud maybe took two losses there down at the Verizon Center. Yeah, that'll be it'll be an interesting matchup. I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to think it's going to be a split, and I think that uh, both games are going to go to overtime. So I think it's going to be that tight of a series, um, and it's going to be a good one. So, um, yeah, that's all I got on that one. I'm going to put OT because I know how to spell, and I learned my English while Nick is learning his Spanish. Uh, and speaking of English that everyone can understand, Minnesota Golden Gophers, you say those three words around the St. Cloud City area, you'll get a plethora of reactions, if you will. October 15th and 16th, especially the 16th when they come back to St. Cloud, that's your chance to check out the Herb Brooks National Hockey Center and uh, portray those emotions in a dog pound sort of way. The Golden Gophers uh, in that home and home, what do you expect out of this series in terms of results? That will be a split um, there. You know, Mariucci, even though it's only like maybe one tenth full now, every time you go in the building, um, which is 
sad and unfortunately for, for college hockey and for the Gophers. I remember going to that building when it was 10,000 seats sold out and that's a pretty ruckus crowd when that's there. Uh, but I still think uh, Minnesota plays very well in the home ice. St. Cloud also uh, plays very well inside the Herbrush National Hockey Center. These two teams are very, very close. They play similar styles. Uh, they've got a good upper tier talent on both rosters as well as upper tier goaltending. Um, so to me, I think the home teams take each game and I could see a split out of that series. So I think St. Cloud takes this series two to nothing. Um, I really believe that St. Cloud is the better team in this matchup. I know that Minnesota added Grant Crookshank. Uh, I got to be honest. I feel like um, LaFontaine, the netminder for the Gophers. I mean, he's a great goaltender, but I think Ben alluded to it very, very well. He's got some quirks. He likes to wander. He's a goaltender that, of course, I've gotten to watch my fair share of the Gopher games because of my dad. Um I think there's a strategy around that team and that goaltending core, and especially that defensive group. I think there's a way to take both of these games against the Gophers. And I think if there's one of the few teams in the country, maybe St. Cloud, Michigan, and maybe a handful of other teams to do that, I think St. Cloud's one of those teams. And I think that the Huskies are going to be ready. Brett Larson's going to have them ready. I think they're going to be quote unquote tuned up, if you will, and not the tuned up that most Huskies fans will be after the game. I'm talking about before the game, uh, when the Gophers come to town and when they visit uh, 3M Arena, I think the Huskies take both of them this matchup. So um, it'll be an interesting one, um, but that's the first one I think where we have a difference there. Moving into uh, that St. Cloud series against Wisconsin at the Herbrooks National Hockey Center the following weekend. Don't forget a lot of these teams too, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Mankato, they're also playing other teams like Duluth and other teams in the NCHC. So uh, not only watching the St cloud games make sure you just keep your kind of tvs on and tuned to college hockey uh, around this time because you're going to get, get a lot of good old wcha and good college hockey action in general but wisconsin the badgers visiting uh playing the huskies for the first time since 2013 who do you got in this one that's going to be a two nothing St. cloud series when agree. um agree um I, wisconsin's a good squad uh but it, you know it's a big loss with with cole caulfield now signing uh, with Montreal Canadiens, uh, again, uh, three wins away from the Stanley Cup win. How how insane would that have been for Cole Caulfield? They were in the Hopi Baker and then uh, winning the Stanley Cup all within a couple of months. Um, unfortunately, Montreal came just a little bit short, um, I guess, the Tampa Bay Lightning. But I think St. Cloud is the better squad up and down, has a better depth than at home. I do favor the Huskies in both games in this series. Yeah, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think if you asked me the question a year ago, my answer would be vastly different. Uh, but this Wisconsin team just looks different. And this Huskies team, for the most part, really doesn't. And uh, so I, I, I agree with you. But again, <laughs> we know how that works. We could we could see Wisconsin roll in and take both if the Huskies aren't ready to rock and roll. But I think they will be a good, cohesive group they have coming back this year. The last one on the docket, we have some time in the NCHC action before the holidays. And then December 31st and January 1st, as Nick so eloquently says, that home and home series of Bemidji State Beavers on the docket. Uh, Nick, what do you see out of this uh, matchup? That's a split. Um, again, you have Mike Gibbons behind the bench, very familiar with the Huskies and a lot of the players that are on there. So there's uh, good now. So plus the style that Bemidji plays frustrates a lot of teams. Um, they're not a team that has a lot of offensive firepower. Uh, they tend to force you to, to almost shoot yourself in the foot. Um, and so to me, Bemidji is, is just a tough team. Um, again, you just have to stay disciplined with them. Um, I know that Brett Larson, the playbook for Bemidji is always the same. Uh, but again, can you execute it? Can you not allow what they do affect your game? So I still feel like it's a split home and home uh, with that squad just because, again, they can frustrate teams with their forecheck and as well as their neutral zone kind of trap types uh, presence. Um, and I think uh, for St. Cloud, it's going to be uh, kind of tough to do a back to back. So I, I feel split in the series. 
Well, if you're looking at recent history, it's easy to say two ties if you want to throw that one in there a couple of years ago, of course, uh, two. I believe they were both four to four, if I'm not mistaken, as well. They were like identical ties up at the Sanford Center in Bemidji two years ago to start off the season. It was kind of an interesting, uh, interesting time there. I'm going to go two nothing St. Cloud, but I think one of the games goes to overtime. So it's going to be one of those where Bemidji has a chance. The only reason I say that is I wonder what the goaltending situation looks like for Bemidji. That's my only question mark. Of course, with Zach Driscoll moving on to the university of North Dakota, I'm wondering what that next man up mentality looks like for that group. I know that their style of play, I really like the way they play. They're a team that's kind of middle of the pack that really buys in um, very, very well. And can, you know, they kind of remind me of like, like Colorado college on steroids, if you will, the way that they frustrate teams and force you to play a different game than maybe you want to play. Um, but again, we know that goaltending is so important and that's why I'm going to nothing St. Cloud, just because I don't know how the goaltending situation is going to be, but granted it's the turn of the year there. Uh, and of course in the middle of the hockey season there. So who knows, but Midge, you might have it all figured out by that time. And I might be able to eat my words, which we love having that happen on the show. Right. Right. Nick, I can see you smiling. You know, you love it. You know, you love it. Um, Nick, I got to be honest with you. I, I don't really have anything else to add as far as uh, this portion of the show. I think we should jump right in maybe to some extra ice session and get to the topic that uh, might last about the length of a regular show. What do you say? Nick is like a plenty to throw your way in. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> Sounds good. We're going to head on to the extra ice session. We're going to talk about the Minnesota Wild. And once again, welcome into the Extra Ice session. Of course, Noah Grant, along with Nick Maxson here to finish out the extra portion of the show here. We're talking Ryan Suter and Zach Parisi, those buyouts. What do those mean? What is next for the Wild? I think as we're kind of sitting here, of course, like you mentioned, Sunday, July 18th, 942. I have a little bit of information about the protected list and who is going to be where. I think maybe we kind of try to sit here for the conversation and see where that ends up, we can touch on it, but we're going to potentially know here in about less than 20 minutes. So I think the place to start, of course, uh, the, when this happened, actually the first person I thought of actually was Derek Felska. Uh, he was talking about how he, he wasn't enamored with uh, um, the Joel Erickson at contract and he wanted a shakeup from uh, the Minnesota wild teams and the GM processes of years past. And I thought, well, there you go, buddy. <laughs> Here you go. Uh, Ryan Zitter and Zach Parisi in these buyouts. Uh, the pair, of course, signed matching 13-year, $98 million contracts back in 2012. Uh, the buyout, Nick, before I get your opinion, I think it's important just to maybe just lay lay these out for people so they understand, you know, what's going on here. So if you're talking about individual players uh, for the next uh, four seasons, the initial cap hit was supposed to be $7.54 million. Uh, the new cap hit is going to be 2.37 in the first year, then 6.37 in the second year, and then 7.37 the next two following years, and then 833000 for the four years following after that. So it doubles the length of the contract. What does that mean, Noah? You're throwing a bunch of numbers at us. Uh, for the next four seasons, next season, $10.3 million annual cap savings with the two players combined, $2.3 million in savings for the Wild the next year, 300000 the year after, and minus $1.7 million for the following four seasons after that. Uh, it's interesting. I think that when you look at this, I think you look at Bill Guerin, the time to pull the trigger was now because you wonder when the flat cap is going to be moving. And I think the Minnesota Wild didn't want to be on the wrong end of that with this dead cap because they're going to carry it regardless of whether or not they're on the roster. Both players were age 36 this year. Um, Parisi and Suter really struggled defensively if you look at the metrics as well. So Nick, what were your initial reactions when this happened besides, 
holy shit. Um, and no, so, not at all. I, I mean, you know, no. you, well, okay, just hold on. We all, no, no, you can't hold on because you got to let me explain. First, no, I, no, I'm going to let you explain, but I'm going to say if you're telling me that it was like finally, like, oh, it's fine, like, we're, here we go. You know that sort of thing. When I when I when I say that, I don't mean like like surprise. I'm like as in this is finally happening. Like let like let's go. You know what I'm saying? So, what were your initial reactions, and uh, what do you think is next here? So first, I, I want to comment on uh, on your your dead cap hit. You you don't take this is not a dead cap issue at all. This is more than that. In fact, this is four things more than that. You don't have two players who essentially when they sign these contracts at 13 years, 98 million and don't know these players personally. Now mind you, I've talked to both Zach and Ryan, both of them in person, these guys, when they signed these contracts wanted to sign here, not just to win here. They wanted to retire here. They want, cause again, they're Midwestern guys. They, they have uh, houses here. They have their families here. This was a way for them. That was like, how to put this. It was like your mid security. Well, not necessarily job security. It was, this is like my last promotion at work. And Mm -hmm. this is going to be my position before I retire. And this is where I feel comfortable for me and my family. Right. It was a, that was from the player's perspective. Right now, from the team's perspective, this was a chance to influx some like household NHL names that both contributed on and off the ice they sold tickets. Um, they did eventually at some point or the last, you know, the first couple of to finally get the, the wild back into the Stanley cup playoffs where they were missing those consistently before their arrival. Now we can have the argument. We're not going to have it now about how maybe Chuck Fletcher, maybe mismanaged some of those core pieces, or maybe, uh, you know, some of those trades that happened to try to put pieces around Parisian suitor and other, to try to build a Stanley Cup contender. That's for a different show. However, now that you're at the end of this, right? Now, first of all, let's take a look at each individual player. Zach Parisi, the writing was on the wall. There's no question about that. Healthy scratch, um, you know, quite a few times before the end of the regular season, he was a healthy scratch in the playoffs. Um, as he told Michael Russo, as well as Fox 9, this was no surprise to him. For Ryan Suter, this is a little bit of surprise from the player's perspective. He's a top pairing defenseman on this roster now was a top pairing defenseman. So what does that tell you? That tells you that two things, either one, they saw regression or two, they were also seeing that he's getting close to 37 years old and they're also projecting more regression. Right. And you alluded to it. How about both? And you're right. They've seen them both. Mm -hmm. So now let's go back to, you know, the team's viewpoint of this, right? The buyout of those contracts really only benefits you for next for this year, right? $10.1 million and it drastically reduces the next three, especially years three and four. You're basically at even par um, with those captains for two seasons, right? Now here's what it does though for this expansion draft, who, which is coming up this Wednesday. So in three days, right? Um, when you have no move clauses, you have to protect those players by buying these contracts out, Bill Guerin has, from the day he got here and started making moves, he's wanted to build a younger, more faster, more offensively aggressive team. Um, now you get to protect two of your younger assets. Now you have a little flexibility on the team you want to keep, right? 
So that is part of it. The other part of it is, as you alluded to it as well, is the cap recapture penalties with this capture, uh, sorry, with this contracts now done, if Zach Parisi and Ryan Suter were to retire before the end of these contracts, there would have been pre- pretty much a similar cap hit. There would have been recapture after even the contract would have ended. There would have been cap hits charged to the team had they retired early. It would have been so ugly. ugly. It would have been very, very ugly. Look at uh, Roberto Luongo and Vancouver as an example. It's not pretty. So you avoid that as well. Now, the big question that I've seen on social media, the big question that I, I think a lot of other hockey fans have, have asked is, well, did he ask these guys to waive those no-move clauses? Um, Michael Russo, again, a, you know, just a fantastic athletic reporter, um, had mentioned that Bill Guerin said he wasn't going to approach that route, but why? Right? You would think that as a GM, what these two guys are veteran guys. You know, they're in their mid-30s now. You know, it's just the sort of respect factor. You know, why wouldn't you ask him? There's a reason why he didn't ask him. It's a he knew what the answer. Yeah. Well, no, he knew what well. the answer was. He knew what the answer was. These guys, again, going back to my first point when I started, uh, started you know, my, my breakdown here, these guys signed here to retire here. They, are, they really – so there's no move clauses where on paper that is basically a player controlling where they want to get traded to in the event of a trade. These two players, Ryan Suter and Zach Parisi, these are true no move clauses. They signed here long-term. They intended to play here up until the end of their contracts. They did not want to go anywhere. There was no way they were going to put themselves in a position where they could potentially, not saying that they would, but potentially be exposed to a pluck by Seattle. So Bill Guerin did what he had to do to give himself flexibility and to give himself some extra cap hit and also to protect two of his younger players, which I think ultimately is the right decision. It's tough. This is tough. Again, these are people, um, as uh, the reporting goes, and no, I'm sure you've read it, is, you know, when Ryan Studer, uh, you know, eventually did pick up Bill Garrett's hold on the yeah. second attempt, mm-hmm. it sounds like he hung the phone up on him. He was no, he absolutely did. beside himself. Yeah, he did. Yeah. So um, hard to blame him, honestly, because I think, you know, again, Zach, I think we all saw coming with Ryan. That's still surprising. Um, but – now, what does it mean, right? That means Matt Dumba isn't going anywhere. He is not going anywhere for sure. Um, or if he is, it's via trade and there's the defenseman coming back, right? But there's no question he's being protected. I know we're going to touch on our protected list here in a little bit. But you talk about direct impact of these files, right? That means Matt Dumba sticking around, at least through the expansion. That also means, you know, you have maybe another younger player you could finally protect, such as Nico Sturm. Yeah. Um, and to me who I think Seattle would pluck from the Minnesota Wild. Now that you have two other better, younger players you can protect, I think it's going to be Carson Soucy. Um, that is my pick. The reason being is he's a good younger defenseman. He, he's not, you know, he, he's not going to be probably a top four defenseman. He's maybe a second pairing at best. But I think he's more a third pairing defenseman, but he's a big body. He skates pretty well. He plays physical. He's like an Ian Cole almost. And I think, and I hope, there's enough money after Caprice off his site as well as Fiala to bring Ian Cole back. I think that'd be fantastic. Um, but that to me is who Seattle plugs now that you can protect others, such as Jordan Greenway. Obviously, you have Erickson Neck that you're protecting Caprice off and those such as moving forward. So um, it's a huge shift for this franchise. It really is. Um, and honestly, 
I think it probably feels better to just have this done. Yeah. Um, I know that there's also been talk about the culture change. Uh, I, I have my own opinions on, you know, the culture of those guys. And I know there's a lot of running in between the lines. Um, I know even Elliot Friedman of Sportsnet said that he got the sense that there was not necessarily problems with the players, but maybe there was just a, uh, I guess, a disagreement in the vision of where the team was going. And those two possibly made those opinion, their opinions about there's a little bit maybe more upfront with upper management on those um, and maybe possibly expressing maybe their discontent or maybe they're not agreeing to some of the things that they've done. Um, now you don't have to worry about it. So at the end of it, this is a clean slate. As Bill Garrett said, this is the cleanest way forward. I absolutely 100% agree with it. I agree with the moves. Now, here's the other question. I'm actually going to throw this question back to you. With the extra 10.1 million in cap space, a lot of people in social media have said, this is Jack Eichel money. Nope. I agree with you on the surface level, but I want to get your take on what does Minnesota do with a $10.1 million cap hit? Because I have a couple of theories after you're done about what Minnesota could do now with some extra cap space. Well, I think you got a couple options. I think the first is you look one, you look at internally. Um, you're going to look at who's going to fill those, those roster spots. I think number two is you look at guys that were there that maybe you can convince to stay for one year deals. I la your Nick, your Ian Coles, a la your Nick Benino's guys that you're thinking are maybe going to kind of maybe plug those holes as the younger guys start to kind of develop. Of course, you're going to have another player leaving for the expansion draft. Third is you see where you're at with the Fiala and Kaprizov contracts and you go after a guy like maybe Sam Reinhardt, who is the middle of the pack, and you maybe try to fill that depth down the middle, but you're not eating into all that cap, understanding that the year after you're going to be in a, a very different place in the cap than you are. I think I maybe if we look at the depth chart first, Right. And that's where I was kind of going back to. It was like, really, where, where do we sit here? We've got a pipeline that's looked I wouldn't say the best, but better than it has in a lot of years in Minnesota wild history, you know, and, and you've got, uh, and you've got a, a new looking team where, you know, we're getting considerably younger for the first time in a long time. I know that we've gotten younger in the past couple of years, but now we're really potentially getting younger. Should Bill Guerin decide to sit back and say, you know what, I don't want to fill these roster spots. The kids are going to play. We're, I don't want to say rebuilding, but we're transitioning into a new phase where the young guys are going to get a crack and kick at the can, if you will. As I look at the depth chart, um, hopefully, you know, Kirill Kaprizov, Erickson at Max Zuccarello up there, Marcus Foligno, um, Nico Sturm, Kevin Fiala in that group, Jordan Greenway. And those are probably the guys that are potentially going to be protected. We're going to find out in about five minutes here. Uh, Nick Bukestad, Ryan Hartman, and Victor Rask are the other three that are kind of in there. Ryan Hartman might be protected too, but Nick Bukestad, Victor Rask might be, you know, guys that might you know, be eligible there. So you've got essentially two forward spots, potentially three, if they decide to pick a forward and that's Seattle. So I'm looking at, you know, Matt Boldy and Kyle Rowell, maybe potentially being the two guys that make that jump. Marco Rossi, Connor DeWar, Mason Shaw, maybe guys that could vie at a training camp, you know, maybe be healthy scratches, black aces, maybe in Gabe Dumont, who's 31 years old, but had a really great season for Iowa last year on the back end. Jonas Brodeen, Jared Spurgeon, Matt Dunbar are the three that are likely staying. Carson Soucy would be the fourth in that group. So maybe Kalen Addison, Brendan Mennel, uh, as you mentioned, uh, Ian Cole might be in that group. Louis Belpedio or Matt Bartowski could fill that role as well, too, depending on what the Wild do in free agency. Uh, the question mark here for me, um, and this is not even, I know I'm not really getting to your question yet. I'm just looking at the lineup here. Uh, Cam Talbot or um, Capo Kakinen? Uh, gee, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't You're know. Protecting Talbot. 
and, you're and, absolutely and, protecting and, and that and that's what and that's what i thought too you know but it's also it's it's boy it'd be really tough to lose a young player like yak and i think that's where i hope that seattle is in your frame of mind where they take carson susie i really do well mind you seattle just signed a chris drigger from florida so at, at, so that could be a number one if not a backup because figure i think it's more of a backup right now um so there may be just on that sign you know again that they can't make it official just yet um but for if that is indeed true and a lot of uh sources have reported that is that he is intending on signing with seattle mind you there's a transaction freeze right now seattle is the only team right now that can negotiate and talk to any yep. unrestricted free agent in the nhl right now so also to your point with kakinen he had a really good start and then he really tailed off. Um, I think video coaches, um, I guess supposing he's really kind of picked apart some of his, uh, you could say uh, some of his things that he still needs to work on at the NHL level. I still think he's a very capable backup goaltender, um, but he's young and still has, still has some things to grow. Um, so possibly just with that tail off of the season, maybe that's enough to throw it away Seattle. Um, or maybe they see the opportunity in the seedling and they say, you know, I'll pluck him and maybe we'll develop. And so it's, it's going to be interesting, but if I were me for Minnesota, I'm protecting Cam Talbot. Yeah. And then in the eventuality that Kakin leaves, um, Derek Barabo, uh, in Iowa, I thought he had a really good season. A Hunter Jones is the other one in that conversation, but I thought Derek had a, had a way better season, uh, you know, and just showed a little bit more. I think Hunter really kind of struggled to adjust a little bit, uh, at that level, but nonetheless, It'll be interesting. Now, back to your point that you were talking about, what do we do with that cap space? For me, I, I'm actually of the mind that you find guys that, especially with the flat cap, you find guys like your Nick Beninos, your Ian Coles, you fill a couple of those roster spots. You maybe see how the younger guys do at a training camp. And then you kind of let this team kind of develop and grow and let that pipeline really get a chance to flourish a little bit. Maybe if the time is right or the trade is right, you look at kind of a, a one C slash two C kind of guy like Sam Reinhardt, if the money's right, if the trade makes sense. But for me, you know, I know that wild fans are expecting now, what is the next move? What is the next option? I don't know that Minnesota really makes as big of a second splash as a lot of people are talking about. Um, and I could be totally wrong. I mean, they could pick up Jack Eichel and Kevin Fiala could be out the door if they can't find, if they can't sign Kevin, I have no idea. But for me, I guess I'm thinking this might be the time and the first time in a long time where we see Minnesota with a pipeline and prospects where they can maybe try to start to develop internally and create a new culture. And um, for lack of a better phrase, let the kids play. So this is meaty for me. So have your coffee. <laughs> There's two ways to look at the 10.1 million, right? but you have to look at it the right way. The 10.1 million is just a number, right? And the only part of it is it's only for this year, right? What if, what if, right? So you, we have the, the money first perspective, which is how you describe the 10.1 million of extra money this year, right? Which is I've got extra money. It doesn't last me very long. And even more so, it basically disappears on me in two years and three years, right? Now, if you're an NHL squad, now granted, we don't know what the cap is going to be. I would imagine Bill Guerin and then the, and the NHL. And I think there may be some numbers projecting depending on the new TV uh, rights contracts with the ESPN and TNT, the expansion revenue that uh, Seattle brings into the league. That's a nice little injection. Um, but you kind of wonder if the salary cap going up is part of this. I almost want to say it isn't. And here's why I say that 
Nobody knows. The NHL lost billions of dollars from the lockout. And they're, and especially with a still, I think, a 30% escrow on players' salaries right now, there's still a lot of financial uncertainty with the NHL. We're going to get a much clearer picture after the conclusion of this upcoming season, 2021 and 22, um, and to kind of see what those new revenue streams um, bring into the NHL, how well they've recovered, and possibly we might see again, I don't think, an immediate cap change, but we might see a projected cap change in years future. But I don't, I, that's one way to look at it. There's one that's like, you know what? I don't have a lot of cap space coming up. Let's let the kids come up and fill those holes. But what if this? Yeah, what, what if this? No, what, what if, if, if? What if the ceiling what finally if? changes? Yeah. What if? No, what if? Because here's what's funny. You just bought out your top pairing defenseman and you bought out Zach Parisi. He is what he is. Um, Again, I think he was effective when he was in, but certainly not the player who once was back when we first signed him nine years ago. But what if? If you're an NHL GM, part of your projection is what's the future and what is now, right? I'm curious, and I'd be bet, I would bet right now, you're not making this move to take on the cap hits willingly in three to four years if you're not going for it now. Here's why I say this. There's nothing better than a NHL GM knowing when he's going to suck. It's predictable, which means you can go out and get a Jack Eichel for 10.1 million for maybe a year, maybe two. He's only 24 years of age. You go for a deep cup run, especially this year, maybe year two. He's only going to be 26. And let's just say he has fantastic seasons with the Minnesota wild, then all of a sudden let's just say the cap is still flat. Let's just keep it at that. For example, sake. you can still trade him out while he still has value. And you know that in three years, what you're building right now, you're going to have to tear it down. The question is going to be, what does Bill Guerin see with this team? I think when you take Vegas to seven games, and they could have won that series. He's mentioned as I think they actually had a decent chance to win that series, Noah. I think he's confident that this team is closer to being a contender than they're not. When you go out and put yourself in cap hell willingly in years three and four, I think there's bigger moves to be made. And I think Bill Gurren is going to go for it. And the, and the information I have is that they are not just wanting Jack Eichel. They are enamored and are pushing for him. It may cost them Kevin Fiala, which I have my own concerns about. As long as you don't mortgage too much of the future, I'm okay with it. Honestly, how fun, and this is my question, you know, if this is true, let's just say that my theory is true and Minnesota is really going to go balls to the wall and they go for it. You make a trade for Jack Eichel. You pick up a couple of pieces on the back end to solidify your defensive core. You've got a lot of returners coming in. You have Joel Erickson, that fresh off his fourth in Selkie voting. Caprice off in his second year. That deal is going to get done. I'm not worried about it. But how fun of a conversation would that be if that is indeed what's going to happen here? Well, it'd be fun until you hit the point where you're trying to offload Jack Eichel and you can't do it. Um, that, I disagree. That, that's my biggest pick. I'm that that's great, Nick. Good for you. I'm just saying, you know, and who knows? And, 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 
And who, and who knows, well, who knows, maybe the cap does change in a couple of years. I'm not disagreeing with that. And I thought about that too. My, my thing is, you know, if you, here's the other piece of this, you're talking about, you know, you find Jack, like you find a couple of guys that fill those places. It's hard to look at an NHL player flat cap or not and say, we want you for a one-year deal. We want you for a win now, one-year contract. I get players want to win, but that's the other thing. You have to have players that, you know, maybe are in the prime, they're 27, 28, or maybe 31, 32. And you're telling them, we want you for a year. We can't give you over a year, but we have a team we think is going to win. I, that's you know, not that hard. Well, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, Nick, think about it. There's, there's 31 about to be 32 teams. 31 of them don't win the Stanley cup. And I don't disagree. Oh, really? And I don't, and I don't disagree. <laughs> and I, well, I don't disagree with your notion. I'm just saying that's when you talk about all in moves, that's like an all in move. And then some, because your future looks drastically like you talk about, because it does. Right, right. You talk about the Tampa Bay Lightning, right? The Tampa Bay Lightning for the past couple of years have been all in. And luckily they got lucky with Kucherov getting hurt and retaining Tyler Johnson in that situation. But regardless, Tampa Bay has been all in, but the worst they're going to lose is Tyler Johnson plus one potentially. And they're still at the point where they're all in because they built up that product. You know what I'm saying? So it's like Minnesota, it's an interesting conundrum. And I don't disagree with you. I'm just saying I, I, it, it's probably going to be one or the other. It's either are they going to say we're going to swing for the fences or are we going to, you know, and who knows, Nick, they might swing for the fences. They might say Kevin Fiala is on his way out and they might grab Jack Eichel and they might say, Jack, we know you've come from a really shitty organization. You're going to have to bear with us for the next couple of years. You're the only piece we're adding and we're going to develop internally. They might swing for the fences, but then not. I don't want to say not go for it, but I'm just, I'm just pausing things out there. The one thing I want to get to before you jump in, Nick, it's 10 06 in the morning. Okay. That's what I'm trying to get to here. Um, the protected list actually came out exactly how we had anticipated. Jewel Erickson Kevin Fiala, Marcus Foligno, Jordan Greenway, Ryan Hartman, Nico Sturman, Matt Zuccarello are the forwards. Jonas Brodin, Matt Dumba, Jarrett Spurgeon are the D-men and Cam Talbot is the goaltender. I, what, 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 what is, what is this? At what, at what point did I say you were wrong? I was just saying, what do you do? And you said, no, well, you don't do no. whatever you're going to do. Okay. Here's what I want. No, no, no. Here's what I want to throw out here. Okay. Kirill Kaprizov is exempt in this conversation. Correct. In case people yes. didn't know that Victor Rask, Nick Bukestad, Carson Susi, Capo Cacton, and a handful of minor league players that fit the bill as far as games played are going to be the ones that are going to be exposed. Zach Parisi, Nick Benino, Marcus Johansson, Ryan Suter, Ian Cole, and Brad Hunt are not eligible. Um, and for those asking for the question, well, um, if he wasn't protected, for example, you see the interesting piece as well, where if you have, I believe it's a, if, if, if you have a UFA where if I'm not mistaken, because Zach Parisi and Ryan Suter don't aren't eligible for free agency until July 28th, I believe if they select one of those players, they actually take that contract. That is their pick for the Minnesota wild. Um, am I wrong? Correct. There you're correct, but yeah. you're not picking the contract and the Seattle isn't going to do that. Um, right. Not well, we wouldn't just, be that lucky. Just to throw that out, so so people but, under, but you understand are right. where we're sitting. So, but you are right. So, if you if Seattle during this negotiating period is talking with a UFA, meaning you're not selecting the player from that team because again, to be exposed for the expansion draft, right? Um, right. That would mean that you have to have a contract that start even has for next season, right? But if you're UFA like Suter Parisi, you decided to sign him. Then before then that would count then, but I doubt Seattle is going to do that to any team um, or to any UFA um, unless Chris Trigger is in fact indeed signed. But again, 
because Seattle wants to get the most of value for their expansion. You're not going to see that signing until after the expansion draft because they want to get the most bang for their buck. Right. Yeah. I think I was, I can't remember which player I read it about. I know that Shea Weber has been hurt and stuff, but I know he's under contract. There was a player that I was reading about that. They said, if that was their selection, you know, that that would be the selection, even though he's not actually on the roster right now. Um, Interesting to see some of the players, by the way, that have been exposed. I know we're veering off top of here, but like Vladimir Tarasenko with his injuries and kind of falling out of favor with the club. Uh, Carey Price is another one that uh, is. That's a big one. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, You got Ben Bishop in Dallas. That's an interesting uh, conundrum there as well, too. But nonetheless, moving back to the Minnesota Wild, we're at just over an hour, by the way, Nick, in case you were uh, so curious here. When you look at the Minnesota Wild, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, we're going to find out (laughs) we're going to find out in the next month and a half. And we're going to know, you know, I think if we have this conversation again in the beginning of September, we're going to know exactly what, what direction this team is headed or have a pretty darn good idea of it. Um, But I guess the better question is Nick, if you're going to swing for the fences, if you're going to do this, is Jack Eichel, your guy. Um, And if not, who is your guy? Um, Because Jack Eichel, like you mentioned, and especially with Kevin Fiala, Kevin Fiala is a streaky scorer, drives possession well, but turns the puck over a lot. Jack Eichel is coming off an injury uh, with that neck injury. He's disgruntled with his time in Buffalo, productive player, but obviously been in a different environment than a lot of players have in the National Hockey League. Is he your guy? Is Sam Reinhart the better pick? Or should we just not talk about the Buffalo Sabres anymore? (laughs) Neither, actually. Okay. It's Gabriel Landeskog. Oof, I don't like that. Here's I why. <laughs> I, here, I lo- here's why. So, first of all, you talk about a character guy. He's been their captain since the age of 19, I that's believe. What, oh, that's who it was, by the way. By the way, the guy that if Seattle selects him is the pick for Colorado. That's who it was. So, yes. anyway. So, Landis Scott, to me, he's a halfway decent skater. He's not the fastest guy. He can provide offense. But for me, you need a center that I think also can be a little bit gritty. Because you got to remember, Kaprizov and Zuccarello are not the biggest guys in the world. Uh, Jack Eichel is bigger, but he doesn't really play, you know, that physical style. He's more of an open ice type skater. Whereas Landis is not afraid to get into the corners and dig out pucks. And uh, to me, that would be the better chemistry of a line. Uh, and I think you could get better value from Landis um, if you were to uh, get him under free agency status question is does he want out of Colorado um you know I know other contract talks have, have gone pretty cold and, and in fact are pretty disgruntled um and the better he, the better question is they have the cast base because I'm thinking he's looking at eight and a half nine million it seems like his his, they his don't want, though right his well my question is this can you look at a guy that came off what was he at a seven-year contract or something like that or mm-hmm. six year can you look at him and say hey we want you for a year or two max I mean can you swing him that pitch that's my question you could but here's the issue it's it's not his his goal is i want to you know have job security right so mm-hmm. and we, we're seeing that with caprice stop too it's that same you know you can call it a suburb mentality even though it's their player their job is to make the most money in the short amount of time they can as a professional athlete the issue that colorado has is that after next year guess who they got to re-up nathan mckinnon and he took a team friendly deal these last five years as a bridge no way in hell does he do that a second time around. So it's going it, to, it's creating issues for them now. Right. And that is, you know, Landis Cog, he, he wants term like every other player does. Um, he also more so he wants that, that dollar amount um, for the Minnesota wild. Could you pitch um, a three, four year deal? Because again, you're not pitching 
as a GM, Noah, the one thing you have incorrect is that you're not pitching players of his caliber one or two years. You're pitching in three or four years. And the reality is, you know that after probably year two, if you don't win a cup, you're trading them out anyway. You're having to tear this thing down because you're going to be in cap hell. But that's not how you look at this and how you present it to a player. What you do is you say, hey, this is not about my cap switch. This is about I'm trying to build a Stanley Cup contender. I've got, you know, this really young dynamic for just won the call I've got a really good solid goaltending group and a solid defensive core. I've got young and upcoming forwards. We're missing a, like a piece down the middle, a couple of other pieces. I think we're a Stanley cup contender. You're coming away from one that is a Stanley cup contender. A lot of simulators, squads. Do you want to join our fight and help us win the cup? Here's what I got to sell you. You're not selling them on contract. Like you're selling them on. Here's my team. I, we want to win a cup. You're, one of our pieces that I think can help us win it. What do you think? That's well, how you're presenting it to the team you and know, to the player. It's interesting to think about by the time we do our show next week, we're going to, we're going to know the results, not only of the expansion draft, but of the actual draft too. Uh, going to be yep. an interesting time in Minnesota wildland for not only this week, but the next couple of months, I have a final question for you, Nick, and then you can throw at me, whatever you want to throw at here. Um, speaking of the young guys. Okay. Matt Boldy had a heck of a um, coming out party, if you will, for the Iowa Wild last year. Yes, Marco, Marco Rossi is kind of getting back on his feet. Connor DeWar, Mason Shaw had some good years. Kyle Rao, Luke Johnson, really good players as well. Um, my question is, out of that group, let's say, you know, Minnesota Wild moves some pieces. They lose somebody to the expansion draft. They're looking to fill a single forward slot between Matt Boldy, Luke Johnson, Kyle Rao, Marco Rossi, Connor DeWar, Mason Shaw, um, unless you have somebody else to throw on that mix. Who is the guy that makes the final roster and is in the opening night lineup for the Minnesota wild out of that young group. I got a feeling it's going to be Matt Boldy. Um, I, what- I agree with Boldy, but I also think Rossi will be there too. I do. Okay. Um, Rossi. Yeah. The, the one question mark for him is, and I think the exhibition schedule for the NHL, again, that the schedule release is coming, I think in two weeks, if I recall, um, what are two weeks? It's usually right after the, um, the, uh, the entry draft. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what his game speed is. Now, uh, him as a person, as a player, he's a workout, like, addictive guy. Like, he just – he loves to be in the gym. He loves to be in great physical shape. That's why I love the guy. But, again, as, as former players, you know, you know there's, there's game shape and then there's game shape, right? You yeah. know, it's, he hasn't had a competitive game where he's played in, in, in almost a you – know, well, now it's over a year and a half, right? It was December of 2019 at the Worlds, uh, the World Junior Championship. Um, I'm, I'm kind of – uh, what do you call it? I, I'm, I'm sort of, I guess, wondering where his game speed is at and at the exhibition schedule will tell us a lot. And if he, if he can adjust back up to game speed, which it sounds like the tools are there for him. If he does that, I think he makes the roster. Um, I think Matt Boldy's shoe in the other player missing it. And you alluded to him earlier was Brendan Manel, um, a guy yeah. who spent the last couple of years in the KHL. It sounds like there's some positive talks to him coming back yeah. to the wild organization and honestly, if, if I'm going to be putting – if I'm a betting man, I think he gets signed. And I think he cracks the top four, I, no less than the top six on the NHL roster for Minnesota. I, I, I do too. I think Kalen Addison's going to be there. And the question mark is, do, do you look at a guy, if Carson Susie's gone, do you look at a replacement? Ian Cole, do you stay internally? Matt Ian Bartowski, Cole. Louis Belpedio. And that's easy to say, but Ian Cole might not might not want to be here. You know, No, and, he wants to be here. It's been widely reported. Bill Guerin wants him here. The question is dollars in term. So, well, isn't it always, um, but well, I, it's, totally, I, it's a lot different than just saying doesn't want to be here. 
Well, I'm, the one thing I'm looking at the lineup, I think you move Ryan Hartman to the wing for sure in that scenario as well. Um, Matt Boldy's a center, so you can throw him in that mix. Victor Rask is a center as well. The thing is, if you think Marco Rossi makes the open net roster, does Victor Rask or Marco Rossi move to the wing? Or is one I of think Matt Boldy goes Matt Boldy goes to the wing. I think okay. if I remember correctly, wasn't he a wing also in Iowa? And that was a big reason why um, his offense was really was showing through is because he had less of that defensive responsibility and he was really um, you know just focusing on that. And I was am I missing that or am I well I'm, well I would say the other reason is that he's really good at hockey, Nick, but I mean well, he besides is, but again, point. you know, well, besides the point, but, uh, but, uh, you know, you know, this better than anybody, you know, as a center, you know, that defensive responsibility is there. It takes away some of the options you have offensively. I think De- defense know, is overrated, Nick, a little bit, but you know, <laughs> just kidding. But, defense wins championships in case you were curious, um, but, but, but truthfully, I think boldly if he starts, it's, he's a winger uh, up here with the, with the wild. I think they might try him at center, but I think he would start on the wing it, it, all personally. And uh, for Kalen Addison, here's, here's what scares me about the wild defensive core. Small tidbit. What we saw with both Tampa and Montreal is they had trees. They had big trees on their yeah. back end that got them back there. Minnesota's defensive lineup now with Suter gone is looking a little undersized. This is also why as much as I want to say Carson Stussy does get putts, I think he does. That's a huge blow. Two big guys out of your back end. You can say what you want about Carson Susie's game. Yeah, he, he's a he's a bottom pairing defenseman. It is what it is. He's still an NHL player, so let's not get that wrong, right? But it does create a question of size on the back end for the Wild Squad, and that and that's why I think Ian Cole has to come back because he wants to be here. And I think there will be after some of the moves that they make should be enough dollars to bring him back. Uh, but you're going to need to go out in free agency. 100%. I do think there's going to have to be another defenseman you can try to get at a, a, a team friendly deal. Again, maybe one, one and a half million that is bigger. That can be more of a shutdown type defenseman to really kind of solidify your top three periods. So I do think Jonas Bergin does get elevated up to Jared Spurge's line. Yeah, I still I think there, I think that there's an opening with Matt Dumb. you need that defensive defenseman who can skate. Um, to be with him to kind of offset some of the things that Matt Dumba does offensively. Um, and then your third pairing is kind of wide open right now. So um, there's still some question marks there, but you know, on a side note, yeah, that's, I, 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 I got to bully. Yeah. I got to be honest. I'm super excited to not see Ryan Suter on the freaking power play anymore and seeing Kalen Addison and Matt Dumba just tee up and go to work. Um, you know, when you, when you look at that forward group here, um, you know, Ryan Hartman maybe slots to the wing. Does Marco Rossi make that fourth line center position as Victor Rask in that conversation? Like you mentioned, Matt Boldy enters the wing. That leaves one roster spot open, I think. Uh, you know, does Kyle Rao or Luke Johnson maybe, are they the guys that fit that bill? Who knows? It'll be interesting to see. Nick, we're at about an hour 15 here. Um, what else do you got for us for the Minnesota Wild? Do you have anything else you want to add or want to talk about? Yeah, I, I mean... For, for those, you know, we're looking at these buyouts and we're only strictly focusing on the cap hits. Trust me when I say this, this is domino one out of four, possibly five, maybe six, seven, 400, whatever. Right. So, <laughs> but imagine being Bill Guerin, right. He talked about this. He's and he mentioned this in the press conference. Right. Um, and we haven't touched on this yet. So that's why I want to bring this up. Yeah. Can you imagine being in Bill Guerin's shoes, knowing what he had to do? And you had to go to the owner, Craig Klebel, mind you, very tight with Ryan Seward, former owner of Nashville, comes up and then becomes the owner of Minnesota Wild. He was the one that opened up his pocket. Mind you, both Parisi and Suter got $25 million signing bonuses. He opened his pocket for these guys. 
And he really truly thought these were two would be two cornerstone pieces that helped the wild become a cup contender. They did make the playoffs, but Stanchion gate and Chicago and first round fun. <laughs> it, it just, uh, it just never worked out. Right. But imagine having a fresh GM who is not tied to these players, not tied to the contracts going into the owner who signed these two knowing for well that there was probably some decisions that had to be made coming up around this time and having to convince the same owner, I'm going to buy these players out. And that means that you're going to be paying him 6.6 million out of the 10 that they're still owed. I'm going to be in cap as hell in threes, three and four, but I have this plan and it's going to be X, Y, and Z, right? I am super excited to see what the X, Y, and Z is for Bill Guerin. Because again, he's not done. This was the first domino to fall. Um, and again, if he does go with the let's go all in now, it'll be an exciting year or two. And at the end of it, Noah, if you win a cup, who gives a shit, right? Uh, seriously, like yeah. if, you, if, you, if you win a cup even year one, if they win the Stanley Cup next year, and let's just say, let's drag on the timeline, say it's year two, right? And you have a very similar roster, um, knowing you have to bust it down in year three, Tampa's in the same spot. They're going to lose more than Tyler Johnson. They have, they have much more cap they have to expose. Um, so it's easier to swallow tearing a team down when you just win a Stanley Cup, right? Now, if he goes for it and you miss, he can look like an idiot. If he goes for it and we win it, he can look like a genius, right? It's, 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 it's all or nothing, right, with, with this type of thing. That's if he decides to go for it now. If he does more of a slow thing, if he's looking, and maybe this information, again, about um, the flat cap that we don't know about. Again, I still think there's a lot of question marks surrounding that. I don't think any GM right now is going to be predicting any sort of cap increase um, with the information that's out there now. I just don't think there's enough information out there. Um, but if he does the slow burn, I just I think it's harder to build a contender in years three and four than to do it now. That's just my, my thing. That's why I feel like it's more now than it is later. Um, again, the question is going to be is what cost has it come to bring in a player that he wants? Is it going to be Jack Eichel? Is it going to be Sam Reinhardt? Could they go out and sign Landis Gog as a UFA and not lose a single person, right? So who knows? There's options out there, but definitely going to be curious. And as you mentioned, we're going to know a lot more about what this team is going to look like here in the next seven days. Um, can't wait for it. We'll definitely be have to probably break it all down again um, <laughs> next week. And, and but this is great. You know, this is yeah. this is this is the business side of hockey. It's the fun part of it because there's so much uncertainty. You're throwing an expansion draft and all these other things. It just makes it even more complicated. And it's it's fun to dissect. So um, for I, for I gotta I gotta be honest. If if you're if you're looking to start a podcast, just do it in the middle of a confusing pandemic summer and then an expansion draft summer. And I tell you what, you'll have plenty to talk about in the off season. <laughs> exactly. So at the end of it, that's it. You know, uh, I, good luck to Seattle. Welcome to the yeah. NHL. Um, I, I love their jerseys and I love their logo. Hot take. Um, their rink's gonna be sweet too. Their rink is really really cool. And uh, for it sounds like not just the NHL, but also looks at the NBA, which I thought yeah. should never have left. I know there's a lot of. You know, that's a whole different video we could do, but uh, <laughs> they'll be coming back. I think was it within the first five years? I think was the plan. Um, yeah, there the for rink's, Seattle. The ring's supposed to be done this year, by the way, in the middle of by the middle of October at the latest too. So I don't know. Again, I, I'm trying to remember with, with the preseason schedule that might affect a little bit, but I do know that they are playing some of those preseason games at different various places around all WHL rinks. And yeah. if I recall correctly, all of those preseason games are scheduled to be not at climate 
pledge arena. So yeah. I think they've already planned for that mm -hmm. and they're yep. okay with that. And that's cool. Um, and how about this, you know, for um, a team that, uh, yeah, I should say not a team, but a city that has had junior hockey around them quite a bit. I think it's very fitting, actually, even if the arena was done. I like the idea of what they're doing, of actually going around and almost kind of paying homage to uh, the hockey fans that are there. It's a, actually a pretty smart move if you want to, you know, come from a business standpoint, because you're you're trying to engage those fans and then trying to welcome them back into the NHL arena again in downtown Seattle. Um, and uh, what a, if Seattle is small tidbit, if Seattle's even halfway competitive, because my that Pacific division is not looking very good this year. Um, yeah. How fun of a battle towards the end of the year? What could it be the battle of the Bay when you have Vancouver and Seattle, maybe possibly mm -hmm. vying for a last playoff spot in the Western conference that could get fun. That could be a very quick developing rivalry, especially with how close they are in proximity. Um, it could be that new, you know, battle of Alberta type deal. Um, I think it's going to be really good. So uh, welcome Seattle. Um, your team is at least initially is coming here in the next uh, few days uh, for those players that are out there, they're going to be plucked. Um, I think if, again, that, you know, that misfits mentality that Vegas had, if they do that, I think they're going to be a dangerous team, uh, but we'll see. It's an exciting time. And uh, welcome to team 32, the Seattle Kraken. I really, I really chuckled too, because someone on Twitter, I, th I think it might be their exhibition schedule. I didn't look that hard, but they were like, well, Seattle's playing Vancouver. So congratulations on their first win, whenever it is, because they're playing Vancouver. <laughs> like, that's pretty good. Don't forget 1917, the Seattle Metropolitans were the third team technically to win the Stanley Cup, um, quote unquote, or win the championship, if you will. Um, so Seattle, hey man, they've had success before. It's their time. It's their year, man. <laughs> exactly. So, so it's, uh, a, it's, it, yeah. it's only been 104 years, but I mean, it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. And, and I, I think that I think hockey deserves to be in Seattle at the professional level. I, I think yeah. that's a market that's, you know, should have had one for a long, long time. Um, but uh, at the end of it, they're finally getting one um, the arena looks spectacular. I love yeah. how they actually used the old roof. Um, yeah. And then just kind of, kind of, uh, they, it's, they, it's uh, a it's a very intimate building for a building that's big yeah. you know well they dug down it's, it's the same yeah. thing they did with the la football stadium uh with sofi it was that because and actually with sofi for those of you tidbit sofi is in this is in a runway pattern with uh, lax airport they couldn't build that up they actually had to dig down what she's like five or six stories in the bedrock so yeah. that way they could maintain with the height compliance with the lax uh traffic that's inbound so uh, seattle obviously didn't have that from what i understand but to save the roof uh with the building that's what they, they dug underneath it and uh you know basically just built the arena underneath it to save the roof and uh, they're going to keep that intact so uh, uh pretty cool uh, again i think uh, i've seen uh, a couple of those uh webcam uh links you can't actually check it out uh, there's a live construction cam for those who want to check it out um, on the tracking website i think it's kind of cool they've got an interior cam they got an exterior cam um they i think the seats are mostly installed the ice slab was already done about a month or two ago um i'm not sure if they started to put up the boards just yet but uh i think now it's more the interior touches that they're trying to finalize inside climate pledge but uh gonna be fun can't wait to see him play yeah, gonna have to do the Herbrooks National Hockey Center with the same uh, same renovations, right? Uh, right. Get 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 the crew That's in. Really needed. Yeah, yes. with with all the with all the dollars that we have just sitting around. But nonetheless, that will do it for episode number seventy. This one was a lengthy one, but a lot of fun. Of course, we do have a couple of women's hockey players coming on the show this week, and then episode number seventy one, Nick. That is the first time that we actually don't have a plan for anything NCHC or college hockey related. So we're gonna have to think of something fun to do, something to talk about. Um, but I think the NHL is going to give us plenty of that in the next uh, uh, week or so. Um, but nonetheless, like we mentioned, end of episode 70. We'll see you next week for episode number 71.
one-timer. Come in, they score! Ripped in! A bomb from Perrix! So Dana Rasmussen fires and she scores! Dana Rasmussen for the Huskies. Dwayne Kaprizov in for a chance to win it. He scores! Now 42.6 seconds away from wrapping up the school's first ever title.